Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a question and answer session that followed my discussion about the new pinnacle weapons that are arriving with the season of the forge that rolls over, I believe Bungie said on November 27th. Some people are getting confused and thinking it arrives with the Black Armory on December the 4th. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you probably already know how that happened because these go up a little bit later. You can always tune in live, twitch.tv slash say no to rage. And you can follow me on Twitter as well at say no to rage. So basically what I said before we jump into the question and answer, just to summarize, I said that the three weapons were really exciting. I was the most excited for the fusion rifle and the auto rifle, hopefully just changing things up within the meta of PVE to move away from the abundance of shotguns and hand cannons. But I did resonate with some of the frustration from the community about the grenade launcher in PVP, since there's been a lot of complaints about the abundance of power ammo in PVP. Getting a direct quote here from Bungie. Players have until the season transition on November 27th to achieve clan rank six and unlock the clan staff for season of the outlaw. On that date, When Season of the Forge goes live, all clans will reset to clan rank 1. Okay. So that seems to indicate that on the 27th of November, everything rolls over and changes. That's from their uh, weekly update from their blog post. First question of the question and answer session comes from Cal Cudahoe. uh, Says... Do you think fusion rifles, sniper rifles, scout rifles, auto rifles, swords, and heavy specials, that's a lot, need a buff? The Darcy, the Acreus, and the Tractor. I don't think Tractor Cannon needs a buff. Now, Darcy and Acreus could get some treatment. I don't know. I think it's difficult. I I, I think it's difficult when um, you set up this system that we have with weapons to keep power weapons always viable. You know what I mean? Like... How do you keep Acreus eternally viable? Is it even possible? I don't know if it is. I mean, I, 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 just, I think sometimes they're just gonna, they're going to get left behind. You're going to look at exotics in the power slot, and you're going to say, if I'm going to use an exotic power weapon, I'm going to use Sleeper, I'm going to use Thunderlord, I'm going to use 1K Voices, their power, their punch, their versatility, etc. There's just not a lot of cause to pull out the Acreus... Uh, or the tractor can a lot of times, unless you're doing something really, really specific. Now, I think there's places for that. I think sometimes you just look at a weapon and you say, like, for example, the Risk Runner. There are times where the Risk Runner is perfect and awesome and you feel godlike, and then there are other times where the Risk Runner feels like a complete joke and it's just stupid. It's like, you know, I, I'm not going to use this right now, Right? So, I don't know if that's the case with the Acurus, with Darcy, and with the Tractor Cannon. Um, So, I don't know if you can always say, also, like, what would be the premise of the argument here? The premise of the argument would be that exotics should always be kept in a viable place. I don't know if that's possible, right? I think one of the biggest challenges facing Bungie in general is that exotics tend to dominate the power slot. Unless you're playing PvP, you don't see Telesto. Malfeasance just doesn't feel worth using. And there's a host of other exotics. The Cerberus, that cool auto rifle. It just doesn't feel worth using if you're going to have to put down your other exotics. 
exotics in the power slot are just so, so freaking strong. And here's why I think they're so strong. There's a synchronicity between the idea of an exotic and power ammo. What do you mean by that, Lono? Well, what I mean is power ammo is more scarce and more seldomly used. And so, given that reality, there's like a synchronicity between a weapon being powerful and being exotic. You see what I'm saying? If you're only going to use the ammo every so often, you want that gun to be as dadgum powerful as possible, which it just perfectly lines up with then saying, well, then I'm going to carry and use an exotic heavy. You see what I'm saying? It just doesn't make sense. In the realm of trash add damage and in the realm of like mid-tier damage, even if the Ikelos shotgun didn't exist, you would just use a Badlander. You know what I mean? You just use a Badlander. You're like, yeah, I mean, majors are tough. Mini bosses are tough. They show up sometimes like shielded majors, shielded guys are tough. You just pull out your Badlander and take care of business. The difference between using the Badlander and like the Chaperone in PvE or using the Badlander and like the Telesto in PvE, it just doesn't ever feel like it's warranted. It always feels like you're wasting that slot. There's not a synchronicity there. Because there's an abundant, like, if you think about the way the, 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 I've talked about this before, how there's a spectrum of, there's a spectrum of weapons and there's a spectrum of enemies. So you have your trash ads and then you have your, you know, your, your trash ad weapons, you know, your, your hand cannon and your, your hand cannon and your auto rifles and your pulse rifles and stuff. They have lots of ammo. They shoot at a pretty good, you know, interval and they're built for the abundance of like, why are there so many red bars? Well, there's so many red bars because they're weak. They die easily and they're not as much of a threat. The only way to make them really a threat is through quantity. Throw a lot of trash ads at them. It's why when curse, uh, it's why when curse thrall and thrall come at you, they come in bunches. If like one thrall came out at a time, the way that you have like minotaurs and centurions, it'd be a freaking joke, right? You'd be like, you know, why, why am why am I even messing with this? And you know, why am I even worrying about this curse thrall? So they they send them to you in large quantities because their their health and their damage is low. So they line up perfectly with. A reasonably strong weapon that has a lot of ammo at its disposal so there's like a perfect synergy between there's a perfect synergy between saying this is the strongest weapon its ammo shows up infrequently I'm going to use I'm gonna I'm gonna use an exotic power it just makes perfect sense and I think that's a general problem with exotic representation in weapons in destiny the same thing happened in d1 Almost everybody was running around PvE with Galahorn, Sleeper, uh, Raze Lighter, or Dark Drinker. It just never made sense. It just never made sense to put them away to use what? Like, what were you going to use? It just didn't make, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. Even once they brought Age of Triumph and you could like, oh, I can run an exotic Fatebringer. I can run an exotic this and exotic that and have a true elemental primary. There were times where it made sense, but in general, it just seems silly. It just seems silly. So... That's a long answer to this question, but I think in a general sense, power weapons as exotics pose a problem to exotic representation, and then that problem extends even further into what you're talking about in this question. There's exotic heavies that just don't get representation because if you're like, well, I'm going to use an exotic heavy, you're going to go to the strongest dadgum one. You're going to use a Thunderlord, 1K Voices, or a Sleeper. You're not going to use a Tractor Cannon or a Darcy or, a, or an Acreus. It just doesn't make any sense. 
Salty Rob, why does the Vanguard reward always have to be for strikes only? Why not have it for public events, lost sectors, and patrols? I think all of those things would reward Vanguard tokens and work towards Vanguard weapons, uh, not only strikes. It would make them count. It would make the content in the game more viable. Well, I hear where you're coming from, but I'm going to push back a little bit and say they have a spectrum of content and a spectrum of reward, right? So there's like the daily heroic you can do or not the daily. There's like the heroic mission, which I'm presently doing right now. And then there's the flashpoint. Okay. Well, when you, when you engage with that content, you get a reward that, that is in line with that content, right? You get like a milestone or whatever. doesn't, it's not that hard to do. It's fairly simple. It's fairly straightforward. So you get like one reward. Being able to grind for pinnacle gear by doing the lowest level of content on the spectrum, I can see how it counting a little bit towards it, but I think the general problem usually is lost sectors and public events are so freaking easy to grind through. The reason they funnel you through strikes is because it just automatically takes time. Even if you speedrun strikes, you can only run them so fast, right? But you can find a good lost sector and just loop through it like a madman, and it kind of makes the progression super easy. That was the problem with Faction Rally, right? It was like, you could just kind of cheese it, and just run it over and over and over again, and not have to worry about ever really doing the other doing the other aspects. So then they tried the thing with Renown, where those elements got significantly harder, and Renown rewarded you, you know, more return. Well, solo players hated that and griped and complained because they were like, well, now I do like one thing and then you're making, you know, going into a lost sector feel like a, a, a dadgum headache. It was actually really enjoyable for parties of people, but it wasn't enjoyable, you know, for solo players. So I think when you look at the spectrum of content, you look at lost sectors, public events, things like that, they have their rewards. They have their things attached to them. You know, bounties that are fairly easy to do. You know, your dailies, your flashpoint, whatever. Or not your dailies, but you know what I'm saying. And then, you know, you're done. And I think the only way they could do it is they could say, do X number of lost sectors, do X number of public events. And that could be part of the pinnacle quest, but it couldn't be a significant portion because it's just so easy to grind that stuff mega, mega, mega fast. Um, so... Next question from Nova Hands. Hey Lono, do you think Pinnacle Armor could potentially be a worthwhile grind to add something to the sandbox? Uh, what would it need to bring to the table? Yeah, the, the challenge with Pinnacle Armor is going to be, and this is a challenge with Pinnacle Gear in general, right? Is you're going to undercut, you're going to undercut endgame content that we've already beaten, which is going to naturally happen. Okay, but think about it like this: if you add Pinnacle Armor. And obviously, Pinnacle Gear in this scenario is not exotic. Okay, it's not an exotic. It's it's a it's a piece of legendary gear with a unique perk. The problem you're going to run into is we've already established that one of the ways to get the highest level enhanced perks, you know, like enhanced hand cannon reloader, etc. It's like I have on my uh, my my gauntlets right now. You have to do the raid or the Dreaming City activities. If you come behind that content and you say, oh, here's 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 pinnacle pieces of 
here's pinnacle pieces of gear that you get by doing, you know, what we're already seeing to be not super demanding content. You kind of undercut the raid and the Dreaming City and those enhanced perks. Now, I'm not saying that they shouldn't do it. I like the idea of saying, hey, uh, here's really great armor. Now, they could put this armor in the raid or require raid runs or something so that you at least feel like, okay, I'm a hardcore raider. If I'm going to unseat this gear, at least I have to do the hardcore endgame content like raids, raid layers, etc. Because I I think armor is kind of untapped right now with its potential, and you're kind of touching on that. And the other thing that's untapped is putting really really cool pinnacle roles on curated roles inside of things like the nightfall and the raid we kind of have that in the warden's law it needs patched right because fourth time's a charm will proc in a unique way on that gun uh, once they patch it but in general I would say that they haven't gone far enough and I think they could do that with with armor and eventually I think Bungie just has to say we've learned lessons you know we've learned lessons and made some changes so yeah the armor in the the last wish raid isn't going to be as good as maybe pinnacle armor that they put in the raid layer or pinnacle armor that they put into a quest line and they're just gonna have to kind of shrug their shoulders and people and be like I mean we we have to create newer and better stuff which means sometimes the older stuff uh, just isn't gonna work or look as nicely it's not gonna work as an incentive the same way this new stuff is you know that's just gonna be a general thing I think uh, that happens with time and I think I think people need to be okay with that we need to be willing to let go we really do need to be willing to let go of stuff and let it kind of get left behind um, because if not I, I worry that we're always gonna get stuck in this this weird cycle of the past is always infecting the present, right? Midnight coup, Ikalash, shotgun, you know, sleeper. Old weapons are always like this infection in the present where we can't get rid of them. They're just too good. Uh, Tomster. I don't have a problem with the seasonal reward for Crucible being a grenade launcher, but I do have a problem with the quest steps to get it. It just sounds like it's going to be a cluster of grenade launchers. What do you think they could do to not make the season of the grenade launchers? I, uh, they want the season of the grenade launchers. Don't kid yourself. They want a season of grenade launchers. Don't kid yourself. It's not going to be... It's not an accident. I really don't think it's an accident. I think if you really look at the... If, if you look at the, the pendulum swing, it is a classic bungee pendulum swing. Everybody grinded for the claymore and then the broadsword and then the lunas and the not forgotten. These are weapons that reward you for skill. You know, obviously skilled, you know, a lunas and a not forgotten are only as honestly as effective and as good as the player's hands that are holding it, right? And so, I think I think when you really think about that, I think they want the pendulum to swing the other direction. They're they're swinging away from uh, you know, precision skill-oriented style weapons and they're pivoting towards more spam low more low floor, low skill floor style weapons. It, it will be the season of the grenade launcher. It will, 100%. I don't think that's going to be an accident. I think pretending that Bungie's not listening, like, oh, Bungie's not listening, they hate the community. I just think it's a misunderstanding of what's going on. Bungie doesn't, like, drop things. Oh, whoops. 
oh man, little did we know that if we added this unique perk called Magnificent Hell and the Lunas and the Not Forgotten, little did I, little did we know that those would dominate the landscape of Crucible and frustrate lower skilled players left and right. Whoops, they didn't. That wasn't an accident. That that was intended. It, it that was it was meant to incentivize hardcore players, and it rewards hardcore players. In a, in a far greater proportion than it would reward somebody who bought their freaking Lunas or whatever, right? The, the better the player, the better the you know the better the weapon. And so I don't think Bungie's gonna be like, oh whoops, everyone's running around with three grenade launchers in the Crucible, and it's the wild wild west of explosions, and people are really frustrated. Oh man, we didn't know this was gonna happen. No, they 100% know it's gonna happen. It's freaking planned. It's not an accident. It's and then we're taking in player feedback. We understand there's an overwhelming presence of grenade launchers and blah 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 blah. And then they're going to be the heroes when they switch it. Thank you, Bungie, for rescuing us from the grenade launcher meta that you created. Like, do you see what I'm saying? It's it's. It, I'm kind of on to their game at this point. Like, I get what they do. They create vacancies and frustrations that they can fill and solve later, and then we all hail them as the hero. Like, you know what I'm saying? That'd be like me walking into my kitchen, throwing a gallon of milk on the floor, and then throwing cookie crumbs in it, and then waving cornflakes in the air, and being like, oh my gosh, the kitchen is an absolute disaster. Don't worry, babe. I got it, and I clean it up. And then she's like, my hero, you know, like, my husband cleaned the kitchen and it took him 45 minutes and look how spotless it is. I'm the one that trashed the joint. See what I'm saying? Like, I I don't necessarily think it's like sinister, like Bungie's playing some psychological experiment, but if you think about the ever-moving goalpost of relevancy that Bungie's been able to maintain for four years, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. It's kind of what's happening in Fortnite. Fortnite tries to maintain relevancy by literally shaking the snow globe every 30 days. Like, oh man, things have settled into this type of meta. And they snake, they shake the snow globe and everyone's like, what the frick? Turrets? Grapples? What? Redeploy? What? And then redeploy is gone. And they're like, oh my gosh, we'll bring back redeploy. Get rid of these turrets. Like, it's literally, it's, it's literally on purpose. Like, that's why, I, like, the guys who play Fortnite, I wouldn't be able to put up with it. There's money on the line. Their careers are affected by these changes that Fortnite makes. And it's just like, all they're trying to do is keep the goalpost of relevancy ever moving. So there's always something new to try. There's always some new thing to rant about, get angry about, and go chase. And it freaking works. Like, it's hard to fault them. So, like, oh, how dare you do this? It freaking works. Fortnite trends just as often when they release something new as when they release something frustrating. You know, everybody starts talking about Bungie and the grenade launchers for next season. What do you think that does? It puts next season and the fact that you're going to be able to, as a more lower skilled player, go into uh, go into the Crucible and potentially have a bunch of fun. Think about it. The top 10% is always the minority, right? They're also they also tend to be the most vocal. But think about it. They're going to be the ones that play no matter what. It's that it's that 
broad majority, that average Joe skilled player that they're considering when they do stuff like this. And even though the press seems bad on the outset, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, it, a bunch of people are talking about next season, season of the Forge now. It's all over the place, right? There's articles, there's memes. Like, I think sometimes Bungie embraces the outrage of the player base to be a freaking billboard for their content. Like, I genuinely do. I think, wait, uh, so we're going to do this thing with this grenade launcher? Isn't it going to tick everybody off? Oh, yeah. Oh, they're going to be angry. They're going to make jokes. There's going to be memes. There's going to be tweets. And guess what? That's free publicity. That's twice the publicity we're going to get if we just give them another dope primary weapon. Think about it. How much do you think people would be talking about Season of the Forge and the next season and the next Pinnacle Weapons? How much do you think people would be talking about it if it was just another awesome primary weapon? Well, uh, next weapon, next next year, uh, next season, uh, the Pinnacle Weapon for Crucible is gonna be a uh, another hand cannon or another pulse rifle or a scout rifle or an auto rifle. People be like, great. I'm going to get killed by that all freaking season long. Instead, they're like, no, nah, let's let's stir everybody up. Let's get everybody ticked off about a grenade launcher. <laughs> you know, something that something that average players, lower skilled players are going to be drawn to. TJ Bolin, do you think pinnacle weapons for the Vanguard is going to be strong enough to replace EP shoddy? I don't know if you're ever going to have anything strong enough to replace EP Shoddy, but but if it's an alternative that feels good enough, then people will switch. Listen, more and more and more, my I got a bunch of hate for my my thoughts on the Escalation Protocol shotgun. I got a bunch of hate. People told me I was stupid. They like my videos always have a really good like ratio. It had a bad like ratio. People told me I was an idiot. People told me to shut the f up. Blah, 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 on and on down the line. But the more and more I look at the Destiny Reddit, the Destiny subreddit, the more and more I see people slowly resonating and, and saying what I'm saying. That there's literally nothing in the energy slot worth using. It just isn't. So, I think with time, more and more people are going to say, even if it's not the absolute best weapon or equal to EP shoddy, I think people will just switch because they're sick of it. Like, I'm sick of this weapon. It's already happening. It's already it's already taking hold in the community. I told everybody. I said, look, that's fine. I, I, I always say things on the outset. Get a bunch of hate. Get a bunch of passive shots from other people. Subtweets on Twitter. That's fine. You can take shots at me all you want. I'm right way more often than I'm wrong, which just takes time usually. People just, with enough time, people thought the clanningrams were stupid. With enough time, people admitted that the Prestige Leviathan was garbage. With enough time, people are slowly admitting that the Escalation Protocol shotgun is a problem. It just takes time usually. It just takes time. And then everybody kind of comes around and is like, eh, he was right. He was right. You know, I'm wrong per usual, you know, but just, just give it time usually. And so will the fusion rifle get a lot of usage? I think it'll get usage again, just because I think people are just slowly coming around and being like, they may not say Lona was right. They may not even know who I am, but they're going to start espousing what I said months ago or whenever I did the video. They're going to be like, yeah, I'm using the fusion rifle because frankly, I'm tired of using the EP shoddy. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of using the, the same weapon for every single piece of content. 
And honestly, the fusion sounds like, like as Finn Freak is saying in chat, it honestly sounds like a lot of fun. I, I don't know. I just, it sounds dope. It sounds strong, and it sounds like it's going to be kind of chaotic. It sounds cool. It sounds cool. So, I look forward to using it. Juice box. Lono, while you were away, I learned quite a bit from other creators, like stacking a two, three ribbons transcendent gives you 28% buff instead of 25%. In addition, using taken damage is better than boss spec for ribbon. While I agree that there is little to no incentive to get raid gear, I wonder how many other min-max tips we are missing. Well, I mean, I think it's cool. Those discoveries are cool, but do they matter? That's always going to be the question. That kind of a discovery, to me, I'm always going to be like, okay, does it matter? Do those percentage points make a difference? Not really. Not really. I mean, in general, those kind of percentage points on how quickly and how strong we are and how how fast we're killing bosses, those, those percentage points are superfluous they're meaningless they don't matter which means they don't function as an incentive and as a driver and and it's kind of out of step with destiny in a in a historical sense of what motivates people people were not going for fatebringer galahorn vex mythoclast and any other weapons that we grinded and grinded and grinded people weren't doing that because they were min maxing they were doing that because the loot was dope right Right? It, it was like, that's why people played over and over. Even something as simple as the Nano Phoenix from Wrath of the Machine, a ship for frick's sake, people played and played and played because they wanted it. It looked cool and it was rare. This isn't a min maxing game. Let me turn alerts back on. Thank you, Beats, for the brand new sub. Welcome to the Rageless. So, and I get what Eugene is saying like, hardcore players trying to squeeze everything out of the game. I, I, I yeah, that's such a small minority. That's even smaller than the minority that runs the raid on a regular basis, right? I, I, to me, it was just like, I, uh, I ran raids a lot in the past, and I would run raids a lot now if there was an actual loot incentive to do it. Not a min-maxing motivation. I just, that's, that's not really within the realm of how I play or how I think. That doesn't mean it shouldn't be in the game. It just, to me, it just doesn't function, it just doesn't function as a strong motivator at all. So... I want way more than that. I think the entire raid loot pool for Last Wish sucks. Like, I'm being honest. You're like, well, there's some good stuff in there. It's the it's a raid. You shouldn't be like, well, there's some good stuff in there, and then there's the 1K voices. No. The hand cannon, the fusion, uh, sorry, not the fusion, the, the scout rifle, the pulse rifle, they should all have unique perks on them, on their curated roles that make them amazing and exciting to go after. Not like, yeah, it's all right. It's basically just as good as this weapon over here. Missed the juice with the brand new Prime sub. Thank you for using your Prime sub here. Welcome to the Rageless. You know, eh. I don't know. That, that to me, min-maxing just, I don't know. I don't think min-maxing jives with most people in a looter shooter. This isn't, this isn't the division. Uh. Juice box with another one. Uh, I know you don't like to depend on content creators when making new content, but I would love to hear you and James discuss the ribbon cheese on an episode of the Roundtable. I think it's debatable between the two of you about it's a cheese would be great content. I understand that it may never happen, but it'd be a good discussion. I mean, I don't think there's a discussion to be had. In the, you, you can't tell me it's not a cheese because in the history of raids, in the history of raids, there is no raid where you can bypass... 50% of the raid's mechanics because we're strong. 
Now, you could kill bosses faster, and you could sw- you could skip rotations at Axis or Vosik, but you couldn't skip mechanics. You still had to do the mechanics. You had to shoot the monitors. You had to throw the balls. You you had to you know create the orbs and kill the light eater knights and 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 explode them to kill Oryx. You had to do all those things. Just because we got stronger didn't mean we could bypass those mechanics. Wall Street with 20 months. Welcome back, dude. Doing things more efficiently is not the same as bypassing mechanics. If you could just be like, no, we're strong enough. We don't have to do any of the mechanics in the Oryx fight or the War Priest fight. You see what I'm saying? I, I just, I don't know how you could say it's not a cheese. You're not doing anything in the fight. It, it's not how the fight's designed. Those aren't damage cycles. That's not how it's supposed to take damage, right? Like, if you could have basically been like, you don't need to slam Axis back. Basically, the first time he teleports, just go hit him a bunch with swords, and it does so much damage so fast, you don't have to do any any of the other fights. The Atheon fight? Right, and they patched it. We Listen, you couldn't cheese the Atheon fight because you were strong. You cheesed the Atheon fight because of an area of effect grenade that pushed him off a ledge and they patched it. You still had to do the mechanics after they patched that. Right? You weren't, you weren't bypassing teleporting. You weren't bypassing shooting the oracles. You weren't. No, you weren't brute forcing your way. Now, you didn't have to run it as many times, right? One cycling became a reality because we were so strong, but you weren't bypassing mechanics. Right? I, that's partly on Bungie. Oh, it's 100% on Bungie. Like, they they gave us too much content. It just wasn't as, it wasn't as quality checked as previous content. Psycho92, thank you so much for the brand new Prime sub, dude. Welcome to the Rageless. Thank you, everybody who's uh, doing using your Prime subs here. You can choose Atheon with Age of Triumph release uh, because we had weapons and abilities that weren't the same when Atheon was developed. Well, true, true, Eugene, but you still had to satisfy the mechanics. I don't think any... There was almost nobody going in and burning him down without satisfying the mechanics. It was easier to do one cycle and then melt him with sleeper. And as you're saying, as you're saying, we went in with stuff that was way stronger than was originally designed, so it was different. And again, that's such a rare and such a narrow example, right? Age of Triumph, going in and killing Atheon, a two-year-old raid with sleeper... I mean, that's just not the same as what we're talking about. We're talking about a raid at launch. At launch, once delta scaling isn't the primary means of difficulty and people are actually going in at level, are able to basically cheese the content. Like, they don't even have to do any of the mechanics. And we're not even talking about Riven, by the way. You can skip the mechanics at... um, Cali, you have to do any of that crap with the plates. You have to do any of that. Shiro Chi is probably the best encounter in the raid because you can you actually have to engage with the mechanics. Where's the dadgum strong with Whisper of the Worm? You don't even have to do the mechanics at, at Morgeth where you stun him. That's a cool mechanic. It's like rotation method at Golgoroth all over again. Really cool mechanic, really cool way of executing the fight, and you don't freaking have to do it. Like, you can skip Callie's mechanics, you can skip Morgeth mechanics, you can skip the mechanics at Riven. That's 50% of the raid. Skipped. Listen, call a spade a spade. It's bad design. 
I'm not being mean. It's bad design. You designed a bad, a, a, a not great raid mechanically. Is the raid awesome? Yes. Was it really satisfying? Was it really hard at the beginning? Yes. Why? Delta scaling. The, the, the Last Wish raid, let's be honest. Just be honest. It's okay. It's liberating to be honest about this kind of stuff. The Last Wish raid is a joke at level. And, and it's a greater joke than any raid has ever been. Raids became easier with time. Yes, we became more efficient. Yes, we could bypass cycles, right? You could one phase war priest. You could you could uh, you could one phase axis. You could one phase Vosik, etc. Okay, but you couldn't bypass fifty percent of the raids mechanics because we were quote unquote strong. They punted and listen. I give them a little bit of a pass here. I've said this. They gave us so much content. Forsaken was so huge and was such a turning point for the franchise. I would rather have a raid that suffers from what The Last Wish suffers from. Boring loot and incredibly easy to bypass mechanics. They heavily relied on Delta Scaling to even make it a challenge. It's not a challenge. As soon as Delta Scaling is gone, it's a joke. Okay? I'd rather have that attached to the mountain of content we got with Forsaken than if we would have gotten way less content and they would have really polished and thought differently about Endgame loot, Last Wish, etc. Right, Juice Box, but I don't compare Crota because Crota, if we're honest, in the in the grand scheme of the history of Destiny, Crota's a raid layer, so I don't compare it. It's not it's not fair to invoke Crota Juice Box. It isn't. Uh, it's not even a parallel. It's 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 a false equivalency. Like Crota doesn't compare at all. But you look at Vog, Kingsfall, and and. Wrath of the Machine, you could not bypass 50% of the mechanics because we were strong. They didn't rely so heavily on Delta Scaling. We've talked about this before. The difference between normal and hard Kingsfall is the perfect way to do it. They created hard first. What's the absolute most we can demand out of a team? And that's hard. And then they scale it back for normal. That was perfect, right? King's Fall hard always felt somewhat challenging. You couldn't bypass mechanics just because you were hard. What's the most boring fight in King's Fall? Golgoroth. Why? Because Golgoroth is a microcosm of the Last Wish raid. Golgoroth is a fight where, if you're strong enough, you bypass everything. Unstable light doesn't matter, rotation doesn't matter, popping the orbs doesn't matter. None of the the nuance, none of the none of the mechanics and the depth of the Golgoroth fight, none of it matters. Why? Because we're strong now. Right? That that is a microcosm of the last wish raid. You go into everything except for like Shirochi and and Queen's Walk. Okay, well, and, and, the, and the Vault. The Vault is still a great encounter, even if you're really strong. It's a great encounter. Vault is a great encounter, and Shirochi are great encounters. Why? You can't skip mechanics. You have to do the encounters. Okay? Once we became stronger, yes, Kingsfall, Wrath, and Vogue became easier, but not to the level of the absurdity that you could just bypass mechanics. Oh, you don't have to do anything for Atheon. You don't have to do any of that for... for uh, Crota, uh, not Crota, uh, Oryx. You don't have to do any of that. You just, you just, you just go in and shoot a bunch, and then everything's dead. You know, 
that to me that to me is 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 a, is a, is a very broad problem uh that I don't think is I don't think it's easily addressed right I don't think it's easily addressed I think it's really really difficult to do what they did with Kingsfall I think replicating that is challenging think about what they did with last wish raid we don't even have a hard mode there's no hard mode like they just they totally punted it's big it's beautiful it's amazing conceptually it's one of the coolest raids they've ever made that riven fight is it's it's amazing it's dope one of the most impressive encounters in scope size and team requirement it's cool top to bottom cool but once you remove delta scaling and you cheese it which is what this original question was about there is like you sully the entire experience all the work all the artistry everything that's demanded of the team synergy and comms and just cheese it psycho 92 with the brand new sub with the prime sub and then like 555 with 10 months hope all is well thank you so much i hope you're well i saw a picture recently i you're you're sticking to it you're sticking to it you look different and you look happy keep it up i know you've been doing a lot of the life changes and working out and all that. Keep it up. Keep it up. Um, so, that's a long rant. That's a long rant uh, about how, in general, I find the Last Wish raid to be ridiculously disappointing in hindsight. It's just very, very disappointing. Um... The fact that you can one floor sword kill Riven uh, is an argument enough. I just, yeah, I think that I think when you look at a raid, you know it's going to get easier with time. But I think the last wish goes so much further than that. It goes so much further than that because you just bypass, you bypass so much of the mechanics. Uh, Apollo Express. I miss having no radar in competitive playlist. Do you think they will ever bring it back? What changes do you think they made to support it? Um, oh, you liked having no radar in the competitive playlist. I don't think a lot of people liked it. I don't think a lot of people liked it. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna go back to no radar. I don't think Destiny as a game functions without radar. It's just. It's it. The, the, it's. I don't know. it's built this game just feels built from the ground up to need radar it's been out for four years player movement sound you know i'm sorry guys but this thing's not worth doing heroic i know they're mad at me they're shooting me but the other guy was using thunderlord too like get get the frick over it like sorry um i don't think they're gonna bring back no radar uh charlie scott do you think mountaintop would be worth grinding it out for uh yeah i think it sounds super cool uh the 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 micro uh what's it called micro missile it sounds neat it sounds like a cool weapon um so you got the heroic as it turned wait did we get credit for heroic so you can get heroic as you kill him that's really interesting. I wonder if you can cheese that if you're if you're working with a team. I didn't even catch that. Why is it not worth doing heroic? Ah, it just takes for dadgum ever. You can you can do that and move on to other things. You waste so much time there for like yeah, you get more XP, but it takes an eternity to stand there. It doubles the length of the of the public event. If you're doing if you're doing bounties and stuff, it's way easier just to normal that and then move on. 
I, I started doing that when I saw people do it and I realized like just how stupid fast it is to do it uh, normal in comparison uh, next question uh, what do you think will change in trials this season they've not said trials is coming back but if it is coming back I think they're going to go back to 3v3 LM I think they're going to go back to 3v3 LM I don't think so. You only got one ghost. Yeah, I think you actually have to do the whole thing to get credit for heroic. I think you do. I don't... They've not said anything about trials, but if I had to speculate, I could see them going back to 3v3 limb for trials and no countdown, no nothing. Like, make it feel like its own game mode again, right? Comp will still be 4v4. It'll still have countdown. It'll still have freaking survival. And then trials would say... Uh... It would say, uh, they would say, like, look, Trials is its own thing now. Trials is 3v3 a limb, and the rest of comp is, is, uh, is like the 4v4, like, weird game modes and stuff. Sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Donnie Brasco says, what is the best class for PvP and PvE for this season since the new supers and stuff? I mean, you play however you want. I, the PvP guys are going to weigh in and say different things. The, the I, I'm pretty sure the Nova Warp from Warlock is like broken strong in Crucible. Uh, there's also some type of a glitch now with one of the exotics where you can make one of the supers last for forever or something. I think it might be the spectral blades one for the hunter um but that that's harder to pull off it's basically like an exploit but i'm pretty sure the pvp guys are all going to say nova warp is like the strongest in uh in pvp right now i have the most fun in pve with code of the missile and way of a thousand cuts and chaos reach i think those are stupid fun um and stupid strong with the right equipment Stupid fun and stupid strong with the right equipment. I love running those two builds. Brand new uh, from Wild and Waldo. Thanks for using your Prime sub here, dude. Welcome to the Rageless. So. Uh, next question from Charlie. Scott, what would you like change with this upcoming dawning event? Um, I mean, we had, uh, didn't we? We just had the dawning, didn't we? The Christmas one? I thought it was fine. You know, there was there was cool stuff to chase. The murder mystery was lame, but I thought it was a fine event. Um, wait, no, what was the one that we had with the with the with the hollow, the infinite forest, the the cursed forest? What was that called? That wasn't the dawning. That was something else. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, Festival of the Lost. I thought Festival of the Lost was really good. Sorry, I'm getting my I'm getting my events confused. Um, yeah, I thought the snowballs were really cool. I think if they do something similar to what they did with Festival of the Lost, then we'll be in good shape. I thought Festival of the Lost did a pretty cool thing. Like, it brought a new activity. It brought a thing, a, a piece of gear to chase and to grind for. Um, just the murder mystery was a huge letdown. You know, they could that could have been better. But at, at a ground level, I think that would be a good way to do all future free events like that. You have like one or two pieces of gear that you chase and you reuse a piece of the content to make it viable. Infinite Forest is a perfect place to do that. Um, you know, since it's not really doing anything anyway. Six months from Wario, Warrior Poet. A Wario Poet, I'm sorry. 
Uh, six months already. Yeah, that's half a year. Thanks for keeping your primes up here. That's a purple badge. Um, so. Donnie Brasco. What's the best class? Oh, uh, you already asked that. Mac Ellenberg. What do you think Bungie uh, has been full radio silence leading up to the... Oh, why? Sorry, I misread this. Why do you think Bungie has been full radio silence uh, since leading up to the Black Armory? Thank you, Chogs, for 20 months, dude. Welcome back, you to homie. Appreciate you, Chogs. Uh, as far as radio silence about the Black Armory, I already speculated about this earlier today, but it didn't make it into the Q&A, so I'm going to do it again. Basically, what I said was... Um, basically, what I said was... the There's two facts that we know. Alright? There's two facts that we know, and I'm going to speculate based off of these two facts. Number one, we know that Activision has not been thrilled with the performance and the sales of Destiny 2. Okay, that's a fact we know. And another fact we know is that uh, Bungie is looking at adding more microtransactions to the game. They're trying to make more money from the game. Okay. And... The way they're looking at restructuring microtransactions and drip feed content is the annual pass, okay? So those are the two realities that we know for a fact, okay? Activision's not been thrilled with Destiny 2's performance sales-wise. And number two, the annual pass is Bungie's new approach to monetizing drip feed content, okay? So those are the facts that I'm going I'm to use. I'm going to base my speculation off those facts. I think Bungie looked at the, the the spectrum of, you know, what they could make and what they were going to try to make off of the annual pass, and they're looking at sales projections, and I think they're saying, we need to add more to the first deliverable of the annual pass. There's more than likely, they're wanting to kind of have a bit of a, a financial clapback to Activision's complaint and saying, oh, you don't think Destiny's doing that well? Well, Forsaken's done a really good job with respect to player engagement. And with the player and you know, with the player engagement numbers being better, look at what we were able to squeeze out of the annual pass. Given that reality, I think Bungie's gonna probably try and squeeze more into the Black Armory than was originally planned. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a big push this coming week. Just just write this down, okay? Write this down. This is a prediction I'm making. They're going to try to incentivize pre-purchases of the annual pass. They're going to jam a bunch of crap into the Black Armory that ultimately we all know isn't worth anything. Now, I'm making this guess based off of things they did before. They did the same thing with Rise of Iron, if you remember. There were those weird pre-order bonuses that nobody knew where to pick them up. It was kind of a fumbled ball, those Suros things. By the time everybody knew where they were, it was too late. You were too strong to even bother using them. They were just like green weapons, right? It made almost no sense, right? And I speculated that pre-order sales were not where they wanted them, and Activision said, you guys need to crank out a pre-order bonus because the pre-order sales aren't where we want them. So my prediction is that Bungie looked at the Black Armory, they looked at the annual pass sales, and they heard that call from Activision. They said, we need to get more people to buy the annual pass. We need to have a bit of an answer back. 
to Activision and say, look, look, like, look what we generated just off of, you know, the annual pass. Look at the revenue we were able to create. Look at the community response we were able to create. Well, Bungie knows that one of the easiest ways to do that is to do things like pre-order bonuses. And I would not be surprised if tomorrow they are going to have a somewhat slapped together Vidoc that's going to have Black Armory stuff that we already kind of know about. And in addition to that stuff, we're going to see more things sort of promoted and added. I think the centerpiece of the promotion and the Vidoc is going to be pre-order bonuses. So, I think they they probably had a trickle. This is Bungie's MO, and that's why breaking from that MO has a lot of people kind of like scratching their heads. Paul Tassi wrote an article about it, like, why aren't they saying anything? Typically what Bungie does is they squeeze the life out of the relevancy and the hype of new content. They do a stream or a blog post where they have a small amount of info, and then they do another one, and then they do another one, and then they do another one. They keep trickling out the information. And a lot of times people are like, why don't they just tell us everything up front? And I've always said, because they're the masters of trickling the relevancy, getting all they can, you know, squeezing all the hype they can out of a DLC, out of a, out of a deliverable. They're not doing that with the Black Armory. So... I think the reason they're not doing that is they pulled the plug on the marketing plan and said we need more to show to get people to purchase and buy and if we do what feels like an urgency buy right impulse buy it's like when you're checking out at the counter and they got mints and they got gum and they got candy bars there right it's an impulse buy it's gonna feel like an impulse buy right like hey in one week's time that annual pass comes out and look at all the dope stuff you're gonna get in a week if you buy now buy now buy now like I think that's what they're gonna do if I'm wrong I'm wrong but I wouldn't be surprised if that's what we see this week uh Fallout 76 or Destiny 2 not like this I know people get tired of saying like I know people get tired of Lono saying I I predicted this and I said this and I told you so I say it a lot because I make a lot of predictions I told people that Fallout 76 was going to flop I told everybody it was going to flop as soon as I saw the response from the beta and the beta was so close to launch I said that game's going to flop flat on its face Fallout 76 was their attempt to squeeze one last game out of the out of out of this console generation one last game out of the engine now apparently there's people saying that the next Skyrim and the next Fallout are also going they're going to use the engine one more time <clears throat> and that has people concerned because obviously the limitations of the the limitations of those uh, of the engine is one of the reasons the game struggle, right? It's just hard to advance the game and take it beyond where it's going. Almost that stream, baby. Thank you for so much for eight months. Uh, quiet ghost. I appreciate that. So I told people that Fallout 76 is going to flop. I was like, there ain't no way they're going to be able to fix all the issues right before the beta. Uh, they, they launched an incomplete product and I personally feel like people should really push to get some of their money back. I don't know. I would be freaking flaming furious if I bought that game full price and played it as bad as it is. I, you know, I know, I know there's completionist streamers that are, that are putting in the work and saying they're loving it, but man, oh man, is it a train wreck of a game. So, I, I don't know. I can't give them a pass given 
who it is and what they built before, it's hard to give them a pass. I'm surprised they even did the beta, TBH. Honestly, surprised they even did the beta. Son of a Bastion, do you think Bungie has an exotic algorithm that punishes hardcore players? After 1,500 hours on PC, I'm missing almost half the Forsaken exotics. In my first 20 hours on Xbox and second PC account, I got more year two exotics than 1,500 hours on PC. Oh, 100%. I, I've talked about this before. I believe that you have a loot seed uh, that is... You know, you have propensities for certain items. That's why whenever I play on my Warlock, I get lots of weapons... And I got a lot of kinetics on him, and it made leveling up frustrating, right? I needed armor when I was trying to level up, and I was getting a lot of, uh, I was getting a lot of guns instead on my warlock. That's a loot drop propensity, right? Well, that loot drop propensity is really frustrating and really irritating. And I also think they do a loot seed that the less you play, the better your drops, okay? And if you think about it, it makes sense. This was true in Destiny 1. I had a friend who would infrequently play with us and he always got the good drops. Always. And I would keep playing. And I think something happens within the Loot Seed algorithm. It basically says, this person has communicated that they love our game and are going to play this game a lot. Right? And that means that if we give them stuff too easily, it'll hurt their uh, loot incentivization. And so I think they adjust your drop rates according to how often uh, you play. So I would say uh, I would say that the more you play, the lower your drops. I think a lot of people can echo that with how many raids they've run and you know how long it took to do their Galahorn, etc. I also think the drop rate of an exotic. I think the drop rate percentage goes up once it's in your loot pool. That's why one person would get a Galahorn and then get seven and keep getting them. And then the person that could never get it to drop would just never get it. That's not bad and good RNG. That is loot propensity. And it shouldn't be possible in a pure RNG system. And the reason it happens is because it's something that's woven into the game. Keep people playing. Now, now, this problem really reared its head when they had to go in and they kind of confirmed this as a reality when they had to go in and basically say we're going to we're going to change the algorithm to favor to favor exotics you don't have well the reason they had to do that is because the algorithm favors exotics you do have cuz that's just the way that it works they 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 want you to grind and grind and grind and grind for exotics and once you have them your drop rate goes up it frustrates your friends that play with you and it keeps people aware of the fact that those guns drop in the loot pool. They basically admitted that passively when they were like, oh, frick, nobody's getting any of the new exotics. Oh, well, the exotic pool is so big. No, that's not why. You were getting year one exotics because you have a propensity for those to drop. You have a propensity of the ones that that you have in your inventory to drop. So... That's why they had to go in and tweak the algorithm. So. Mm. Uh, the Ultra Duff Master. Hey, Lono. I read a thread on Reddit that swords about swords, which was about how to improve them. They included your idea about swords moving to the energy slot, uh, but they also mentioned swords should not 
need power ammo to block or do their basic attack, but that the power attack would need power. What are your thoughts about that? Would swords then become more skillful to switch to and block certain things in the game? I like this idea. Did they credit me with the energy idea? Probably not. They probably didn't credit me. I'm not probably I'm not I'm, I'm probably not the only person who's ever thought of that. Um, but I, I think moving it to the energy slot is a really good idea. Uh, I, I mean, I like the idea of saying they can do their their fast and normal attack, and it doesn't use power ammo. But if you uh, but if you want to do the big attack, that's going to use power ammo. I actually really like that idea. I think that's pretty smart. That could make swords more viable. Because um, then, honestly, it could kind of become like the Thunderlord. A lot of people have learned that like, the Thunderlord is just great for... Uh, really great for ad management. And I could, I could feel like a lot of people would just bust out their sword and take care of ad management, knowing that as long as they use their light attack, they're not consuming their power ammo. That would get crazy in the Crucible. Um... But, you know, maybe they'd have to have different rules in the Crucible. Anytime it's swung in the Crucible and it connects with the Guardian, it would consume your power ammo. So it wouldn't, it, you know, the rules would have to apply differently in the Crucible. Or you would just break Crucible. It would become r- ridiculous. Everyone would just run around with Big Fang. King Boomstick. Are the Pinnacle Weapon quests enough? Season 4 Vanguard only has uh, had a shader and an emblem with 25 ranks. Should there be more rewards for Vanguard? Crucible is being changed to offer more rank rewards to match Gambit. What could be done for Strikes and Nightfalls uh, to make a player want to grind them? I mean, this is going to touch on things I've said before about NPCs just not being at their potential. I just think when you look at an NPC on a planet, Vanguard, Crucible, and even the absence of a raid NPC, you really start to see what I'm talking about when I said that you need to have a reason to grind those things that are exciting. So if you run hundreds and hundreds of raids, you know, getting ornaments for the raid weapons and gear and emblems and shaders that nobody else can get, I, I think that that's exciting. People are like, oh, cosmetics are boring. Well, but I mean, come on. If you're already running the content for gear and on top of that, you can kind of go the distance and get your rank up and then be rewarded accordingly... I don't know. I think that's... Here's the thing I think people need to remember. The the, the sense of the, the sense of cosmetic grind being the only really true grind in D2 Vanilla left a bad taste in people's mouths, right? I think when you have lots of things to grind for, and then in addition to good things to grind for, you also have... You also have the... The cosmetic stuff. Then I think the cosmetic stuff is better received. I really feel like it frustrated people and left a bad taste in their mouth because it was basically the only thing to chase. We could chase a full armor set from this planet or that planet, and it was kind of like, well, what's the point? That was the only thing to chase. Now they've added a lot of good things to chase. You've got Nightfall-specific rewards. You've got Pinnacle gear you know, for that, for that season. I feel like adding some of those cosmetic things that are cool to the Vanguard, to the Crucible, and a raid NPC, I don't think it would leave as bad of a taste in people's mouths because they'd be like, well, I mean, this is in addition to all these other things we have to grind for. 
Galaxy Beams. Glad to see you back, Lono. How do you feel about the West Sunfall 7 hand cannon from Osiris? Was watching Lucky and Buttwipe test it in PvP, and it's like a not forgotten. Its only downside is its reload. Um, I don't know enough about it. I remember people saying that it's a really strong... It's a really strong gun uh, for, for Crucible. I remember people saying that. Now, at the... I, I feel like we could probably look at it now and just like maybe I could give you some of my feedback. Um, I, I'll have to go into my collection. I guess I don't have it uh, in my collection right now. Or I don't have it in my, I'm sorry, in my dim. I'll have to check it in the collections. Let us see why people are saying that. Uh, it's not the strong, it's the same as any other 180. Uh, 20 months from DC for the win. Whoop, whoop. Will they ever make a title for noobs? Lono, lol. Thank you so much, dude, for that. Did they move the West of Sunfall to the energy slot? Or is it an, is it a kinetic weapon? Stream delay. I'm probably going to get my answer uh, in a moment. Well, wait, no. It should just be in the hand cannon area no matter what. Because they put them all here. Um, let us look here. Why am I not seeing it? Am I blind? It's a pulse? I thought it was a hand cannon. I was looking at auto rifles. I'm a freaking idiot. It's a hand cannon. I'm stupid. Here it is. West of Sunfall. Okay, what is it? What is it that this thing does? It's just a 180. There's nothing special about this gun. I don't understand. Why are people saying this is like a Luna's? Or a Not Forgotten? It's like the Not Forgotten? It's like a Not Not Forgotten? I don't under I, I I don't I don't understand why anybody would think that about this weapon. To me, the magnificent howl perk. I mean, you're not gonna be able to compete with that TTK. You're just not gonna be able to compete with that TTK. Its base stats are good. Saying ar- archetype. I mean, you could use it. I'm not saying it's bad. In the re oh the recoil pattern. Yeah, I mean, you could use it, but I, in general, in general, I, I don't think that you're going to be able to compete with the TTK. That's the main reason. That's the main reason to use a Not Forgotten and, and, and a Luna's. Uh, Coffin. How do you feel about the 1K drop rate? I'm currently 19 clears, uh, but there's people with more clears and no gun. I mean, it's clear they made it They made it the Galahorn. They made it the Galahorn of, of, this, of this era in Destiny. They want people running the raid week after week after week after week and getting frustrated that they don't get it. That's the way the Galahorn works. And this is a very similar scenario. I don't necessarily know if the drop rate should be increased, personally. Um, I think... I, I think in general, whenever we look at the drop rate of an exotic and we're like, I haven't gotten it, its drop rate should be higher, I, I'm not necessarily sure I understand the argumentation. Um... I'm never really sure I understand the argumentation because then you're taking away the RNG excitement drop rate and you're saying, well, there should just be a threshold of with enough clears, you automatically get it. I just don't know. 
I know it's frustrating to not get the weapon. I know. I 100% know. Uh, so, and I know it's frustrating when there's a threshold of frustration that, that is acceptable, right? Uh, you know, a couple of weeks. Thank you for the 100 bits, Rebel. You keep coming back, okay? But, but, there's a danger. There's a danger to having a really low drop rate, okay? And the danger is that people get to a point where they're like, this content's not even relevant anymore. Right? If Black Armory comes out and people are like, I'm sick of running Riven for a 1K. Right? I'm, I'm sick to death of running Riven for a 1K. If, you know, if that's, if that's the case then you you start to grade against the patience of the player you know because I think it's hard to look at players playing PvP and getting pinnacle weapons like the Not Forgotten and the Lunas and those people are basically getting a pinnacle piece of gear with just you know with enough time and skill and skill with enough time and skill investment and they get their pinnacle weapon and you clear raid after raid after raid after raid and then you see this grenade launcher get announced you see this auto rifle get announced you see this fusion rifle get announced and you're like wow these are really cool pieces of gear now they're not as good as a 1k but it's like I mean come on now another thing another thing to to add insult to injury here is the freaking thunderlord the Thunderlord lands on the game and is arguably a better exotic than the 1K voices, and the Thunderlord was an absolute freaking joke to get. So I think to a certain extent, 1K voices maybe could, you know, afford uh, to get a drop rate buff or give it the give it the Nightfall treatment, give it the Nightfall Escalation Protocol treatment, give it that treatment where you say, okay, every time you open a chest in uh, the raid. Every time you open a chest, the and you don't get the 1K voices, your drop rate uh increases. It's required for Riven's Bane, right? And it's required for you know for Riven's Bane for a title. Um, I don't want them to just flat out raise drop rates for stuff because people are getting frustrated at the drop rate. That's why I think the EP treatment and the Nightfall treatment is nice. When I'm gr- when I was grinding for the Warden's Law, and I knew every six or seven I was going to get a drop, right? Because it's just like eventually the RNG just shines on you. It's like you've run it enough times without getting it. Drop rate buff, you know, starts to apply, and then you get it. Somebody said this morning they got the EP shoddy after like 37 clears, and I'm like, in the grand scheme of grinding and farming from D1, 37 clears for the EP shoddy is not that big of a deal. It's literally the strongest gun in the dadgum game, and you did 37 runs. Huh, Leslie, nope. That's funny. Um, Parks and Rec fan over there. You know, it's not even that hard to do. I mean, 37 completions with the fact that they let you pivot back to wave 6 uh, immediately now. I don't know. It, you know, that seems pretty pretty reasonable. So, if they gave the similar treatment to the 1K voices, I'd probably be okay with that. You know? Because then it's up to the player beyond the 1K voices. Like, eventually, you know, you're going to hit run number 15 or 16 and you're going to get it. That's not too bad. That's not too bad. So, I'm kind of changing my tune here a little bit. Because the real reason you'd want to go back, and this is, again, why they need to really look at uh, unique perks on curated roles, you'd be going back into the raid for those curated roles. If the Chattering Bone... You know, or 
you know, if the Apex Predator wasn't a piece of garbage, if they could come with uh, with unique perks on their on their role, then you know you could make the argument that uh, there's a reason to go back in, and that RNG is still happening. You like you see what I'm saying? Like you don't want to completely remove the RNG aspect of raiding. There's something really exciting about being like, yes, I finally got the thing that I was looking for, and if it's just a matter of time investment, where at the very least it's going to take you three to four weeks to get this gun that removes some of that excitement but I think they can have a pretty good mixture I think they can have a pretty good mixture in uh, in the raid if they did the that combination of you know there's RNG because there's the curated roles that you may or may not get that are really really sought after and really really awesome and then there's the and then there's the 1k voices which your chances go up every time you don't get it I get too hard. A bit off topic, but what are your thoughts on RNG playing a factor on titles? I'm being held back on both Ribbons Bay and Dredgen because of RNG drops, 1K voices, Ghost Shell Sparrow. This is such a good follow-up question. He might he might have seen the previous question and like added this basically to the discussion and well time with what I was just saying. I, I think I think you could make a case that that's why some of those items should have RNG chances going up. RNG chances going up because because you know you're doing it more and more and not getting it especially if there's titles attached to it you know i can't get ribbons bane done because of bad rng i mean that's kind of stupid right i you know i'm just i guess i'm not going to get this title week after week after week you know eventually people don't want to run the raid as much you know and then you're now you're being really limited you know not only by rng but just by the fact that like the relevancy of the content goes down with time so Good follow-up question. Uh, Ozymandia, is in a looter shooter, it's extremely disheartening to lose progress towards Crucible Pinnacle Weapon. How do you feel about the Crucible quest making slow or no progress instead of losing progress? That way, it does now uh, it does now in a competitive loss. I feel that like this allows folks who aren't in high skill uh, four stacks to reach these weapons, albeit in a much slower fashion. I mean, I could probably get behind this. I could probably get behind this. Black Raptor. We have a Red Raptor, a Raptor Jesus, and now a Black Raptor. Welcome to the Rageless. Thank you so much for using uh, your Prime sub here. Uh, remember, guys, when you sub to the channel, you can use our Discord clan system and LFG system. So I could probably get behind this. I could probably say, you know, losing progress is silly. It's like when you're on Legend in freaking Gambit and losses are just brutal you make no progress but at least you can make some progress it would just be slower progress you know that's one of my frustrations with when you get the legend it's like hey congratulations you're a really good player uh we just made it even harder for you to get anything done or feel like this is worth your time like that's my reward that's my reward for getting the legend in Gambit. So I, I could probably get behind you on not losing progress, but progress being significantly slower if you're not winning. Um, I could probably get behind that. Vipkip, newbie question. Uh, how do you get better loot and exotic guns and ships? You just play the game. There's not really a specific way to do it. Milestones obviously have a higher probability of dropping high stuff, exotics, etc. There's no magic bullet. 
Duke Reigns. Why can't the weapon models for pinnacle weapons reflect their status? Uh, load, loaded question is literally the main ingredient. Breakneck is hazard of the cast with a rag on it. And the mountaintop is a malicious birthright with a new paint job. Oh, I 100% agree with you. 100% agree with you. I'm very disappointed that they announced pinnacle weapons and they're all reskins. Right? When you look at the Lunas and the Not Forgotten, it's exciting. They have really, really cool look to them. My hope would be between now and then, between now and then, maybe they add a secondary element to the quest for an ornament that completely changes what the gun looks like. Kind of like how you go from getting the Lunas to the Not Forgotten, and in it, I don't know if it changes in appearance, but obviously you get the, the, better, the better version of it. That'd be a pretty cool way to say, hey... We get it. These are basically reskins. There's a second part of the quest once you get the weapon to unlock a really dope ornament that'll make it look completely different. I mean, we know their art department that can crank out really, really good-looking stuff. I, I don't know why you would fumble such an easy, easy pass here. Passing the ball down the field. Um, even Luna and the Not Forgotten were in D1, so not new. Right, but Ziding, we're in D2, so I mean, using those models now and those being the only place you can get them, I'm okay with that. I mean, you you can't always have every gun look, you know, insanely different. They they like for things to look and feel like Destiny guns, because Destiny's been around, you know, for four years. So, I get what you're saying, but at the very least, they don't look like other guns. Like, yeah, it looks like the Lord High Fixer, but at the very least, it's not like the Lunas looks exactly like the the better devils or something. You know what I mean? At least when you pull that out, you're like, yeah, this is the only hand cannon in Destiny 2 that looks like this. I hear where you're coming from. Uh, the Not Forgotten model was not in D1. Oh, was the Not Forgotten not in D1? I thought it was. Um... Anyway, next question. Azuma Kazuma, uh, if there are a way to look at your damage done in real time, would the min-max thing be a thing in Destiny? I don't know. I, I just, the, the thing is, the reason I don't think min-maxing matters that much, okay? The reason I just don't think min-maxing matters that much to most people is because the game's been out for too long. <laughs> I, I know that sounds silly. I know that sounds silly. But the game's been out for a really, really long time. So the fan base is established. And the way the fan base thinks and the way the fan base is motivated isn't going to change anytime soon. Right? And because of that, I don't think you're suddenly going to appeal to... Hopefully this was not the target that I came here for. I don't think you're suddenly going to appeal to min-maxers. I just don't think you are. It would be like it would be like the Division Two launching and completely gutting the sense of min-maxing and appealing to very casual looter shooters. Well, that would be really risky. You already have your fan base. You already have the people that like your game. You already have the people that like min-maxing, and they like Division. And to suddenly pivot away from that would be dangerous. And I think the same thing is true for Destiny. To suddenly start putting in elements and things that would appeal to min-maxers is appealing to a player base that doesn't necessarily exist in Destiny. Now, that's not to say it couldn't add value, right? Showing us more numbers, giving us more numbers, giving us more numbers to crunch, uh, giving that kind of data to the hardcore player base, I think is always admirable and should and should happen. 
I really didn't appreciate Dylan getting cheeky on Twitter when we all wanted numbers. We all talked about how we wanted numbers with like the current weapon buffs. Like, could you give us numbers so we know just how much more you added? And he got cheeky and like somebody tweeted something like such and such weapon now does such and such in such amount of time. And he's like, here's a number for you. I'm like, man, don't get cheeky. The community would like numbers. There's nothing wrong with us asking for that. How much did you buff fusion rifles? How much did you buff swords? Like, tell us. If it's 1%, no one gives a frick. Like, it feels like you're playing, it feels like you're playing like looky-loo. Like, look over here. Yeah, we buffed it. And they're like, we really didn't buff it. It was only like 1%. You know what I mean? I don't think there's a problem with giving us numbers. I don't think I don't think it's like a big need. They don't need to appeal to min maxers, you know. They don't need to do that. But I think it would be a I think it would be a good look. I think it would be a good move. Um, again, don't get cheeky when we ask for numbers. Like that's that you're kind of supposed to be there for that to communicate to us what's going on in the game. That's kind of what the interplay is supposed to be. So. Maybe stop liking and retweeting other Bungie employees' tweets and engage with the action, engage with the community. <laughs> like, maybe stop doing that. <laughs> you know, and I like the fact that they were retweeting and tweeting people who got their not forgottens and their lunas. I thought that was great. But I don't think it should be that we should have to go to third-party sites for numbers and stuff. How hard would it be? The numbers are there. How hard would it be for me to go here and see numbers on these stat bars? Why is that a freaking problem? Why is that not in the game? I don't know. How much did you buff the guns? How much did you change? I don't, I don't. I don't think we're asking for the moon here. We're not asking for you to like put a camera next to a developer so we can have an all-day AMA with him while he works on a gun. We're not asking for that level of intrusion, you know. Son of a bastion. How do you think that Bungie giving recognition to cheaters and exploiters affects the gaming community? I don't honestly know what you're talking about, so son of a bastion, if you're here, expound on this in the chat, and I'll answer your question. I honestly don't know what you're talking about, um, unless you're talking about people that go for high scores that are doing some type of exploitation. I don't know. Serotic Bot says... What do you think about getting completions for only doing the heart encounter? Do you think Bungie should only count completions if you do every single encounter? Yeah, farming the ending encounter has been a problem since uh, since D1. There were people that would do that. They would just farm the checkpoint and get a ton of uh, a ton of completions. Um, so it would be nice if they had a better way of tracking that. I 100% agree with this. What are your thoughts on Xbox Five? I forgot the proper name from it. I don't know anything, and I don't really, I don't really delve into commentary about leaks. I would rather talk about things that we know. Um, I wouldn't imagine you're going to see a launch date for new consoles until 2020, and that'll probably coincide with the launch date of the Final Destiny. Um, people that DDoS for Luna's and not forgotten or account recovery. Ah, uh, I mean, is it really on Kevin and Dylan and Cosmo to vet every single person who tweets at them? I don't know. I mean, listen, I, you never, you never, you never want to acknowledge cheaters and give cheaters a clap on the back. But at the same time, we've got to be reasonable in our requests. Okay, if if they're getting people that are tweeting at them X number of times a day 
that are saying, here's a picture of my Lunas, here's a picture of my Not Forgotten. How much damage is done if in the mix of when Kevin or Dylan or Cosmo, when they retweet like six or seven people in a row, okay? If there's two or three people in the mix there that account recovery to get theirs, if they're in the mix, what's the level of damage done, okay? To the degree that then they should, in your mind, they should vet and do research on every person that tweets at them. So then, because if I do this, right? Okay? If I send you this picture, you don't know my gamer tag, you don't know my PSN, you don't know my Battle.net. You don't. So what are they supposed to do then? Please send us a picture and attach your PSN, your Battle Tag, or your Xbox Live so we can vet your, you know, your achievement before we retweet a picture. Right? They're not doing a player interview blog player highlight where they're sitting down like, so tell us, what was it like the moment you got your not forgotten? Well, it was awesome. My dad used eBay and we did an account recovery. I couldn't believe it. It was the best birthday present ever. Like, <laughs> they're not going that far. They're not going that far. So I, I'm not, I'm not that concerned about it. Silent service on the 1K topic. Do you think that if you have a first week clear, should the drop rate be higher? Um, um, first week clear. I mean, did we get an emblem that nobody else could get? I feel like we should have. I thought we were going to, but then I think it was just the, I think it was just the jacket, wasn't it? I know. I don't know. I'm, I, I don't know if you, I don't know if we want to go this far. Because I mean, I'm gonna say maybe it's, it's it's no point though at this point, right? I mean, we're we're talking about something that can't be changed. I think it should just get the nightfall and the EP. Uh, it should get the nightfall and the EP shotgun treatment. Personally, you give it the nightfall and the EP sh- the EP weapon treatment, where the, le- the every time you don't get one, your drop rate increases. So sure, your drop rate by now would be higher if you had a week one completion because you've completed it more times without getting it. So. JD Gamer 50, what do you want the new raid coming out to be like? Uh, do you want it to be more like Spire or bigger and less ball throwing? Well, personally, I, to me, I like all their raids except for Leviathan, right? Leviathan was, it just was too much of a game show. It was too mechanically heavy. I think Kingsfall had the good mix. I honestly think, I have always argued that Wrath of the Machine was endgame perfection. If it would have had one more boss, it would be the perfect raid. I still think that the this, the Siege engine should have crashed in the water and then showed up again Siva-ified down in the bottom when we went down into the, you know, the ca- caves. Should have shown up again. That would have been a great boss fight. Like, the whole face of that thing is cool. Um... And I think it'd have been cool to say, you know, you, hey, you got you to defeat this thing again. Then it would probably be the perfect raid. The guns were amazing. The armor was amazing. The, the inside, uh, the internal economy, the intrinsic, per- the, you know, the, the, the perks and the benefits of, of having those perks, all of it, uh, all of it was good. And I think King's Fall, like if you want a mechanically heavy raid, 
I think King's Fall pulled off a good mix, and the reason they pulled off such a good mixture is because it was mechanically heavy, but it was really, really cool big bosses. So when you beat the boss, you felt like you achieved something really cool. It wasn't like, because in the problem with Leviathan is you just get into, you did not get this sense of accomplishment. You just didn't. You got this sense of like, finally it's over. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that it was just, there was just a lack of bosses. So I would always want to pivot away from Leviathan and more toward, honestly, listen, honestly, Last Wish Raid is what you want. It's a perfect it's a perfect representation of what they ask of of Destiny players. There's mechanics, there's bosses, there's damage checks, etc. The biggest problem with the Last Wish raid is that the loot isn't that impressive. And we've talked about this before. I ranted about that already this morning. The loot is not that impressive and the boss fights themselves are only challenging when Delta scaled. As soon as that's gone, you can bypass all of the mechanics with sheer brute force. It's the only raid in Destiny history that when you're stronger or at level than the encounters, with sheer brute force, you can literally ignore and not do mechanics. You could one phase Atheon, you could one phase fights in King's Fall, you one phase Vosik and Axis, but you still had to do the core mechanics. You don't have to do that at Cali, you don't have to do that at Morgath, you don't have to do that at Riven. Okay? So, conceptually, Last Wish is fantastic, but they just didn't really force the mechanical issue. They should have. I feel like they were so scared to force the mechanical issue because of Leviathan, they went in the other direction and they're like, with sheer brute force, you can kind of ignore the mechanics. The mechanics are almost... They're almost an afterthought. Not on purpose. I mean, the Riven thing is a bit of a cheese, and I don't think it's intended how it's supposed to be, and how fast you can kill Cali, you know, maybe could get looked at. But in general, in general, I would pivot away from how Leviathan was too mechanically heavy with no sense of accomplishment, no sense of boss bosses being beaten, and I would also move away from what they did in Last Wish, which is a loot pool that doesn't matter, and boss encounters that can be sort of ham-fisted with sheer power and ignoring mechanics. If you're going to have mechanics, at least let it, at least make us do them once. You know, at least have some good quality assurance in place that we can't just skip over literally everything. Being a newcomer, uh, coming from a recruit, a friend, is there a particular subclass that you would recommend breaking into raids and gambit? Uh, Well of Radiance is just universally helpful to people in PvE. And if you're kind of new, uh, playing more defensively, more passively. Warlock Well of Radiance is really nice. Um, that's helpful in, in, in virtually all endgame content. Uh, just because you're constantly supporting both damage and health of the team. So it's it's a pretty universal pretty universal subclass. And it doesn't it doesn't take a lot of like in intelligence and awareness of like how the game works to play well of radiance well <laughs> play well of radiance well the last pxl do you think there should be another legend reward in comp and what should it be uh i mean you can't get you can't keep giving comp everything i mean comp got really good treatment this time around and i you know i'm not a comp guy so my bias might be showing when i kind of shrug my shoulders at this question but i don't know if we need you know endless 
uh, endless rewards. Like, every season we need a comp reward. You know, the grenade launcher is a bummer. I know it's a bummer for PvP guys. I know that people are worried. Triple grenade launchers is already a possibility, and it's frustrating to play against, and seems really kind of broken. But I'm telling you, it's not an accident. It isn't. Bungie's not like, oh, whoops, next season's going to be the season of the grenade launchers. I, I just, I don't think it's an accident. They like the pendulum to swing. They do. They like the pendulum to swing. And it's like, it's like a moving goalpost of, re- goalpost of relevancy. I already talked about that. You're moving the goalpost of relevancy. Fortnite does the same dadgum thing. If the pendulum swings, it makes people talk about your game, and it makes people play your game, and it appeals to the masses, because the masses aren't the top 10%. The top 10% have kind of proven that they're already addicted to your game, so you can you know, appease them other ways, or just count on them to keep playing, and the top 10% kind of got their love and their treatment at the launch of Forsaken with this season, because Not Forgotten and Lunas has kind of built for the more hardcore, more high-skilled players. Uh, the Crazed Dalian. How do you feel about Bungie continuing to bring back Destiny 1 Exotics? Uh, It doesn't bother me. They're in the game. Just keep bringing new ones. Keep bringing fun ones. Um, A Skull Fort, when combined with Code of the Missile, I don't think we ever really would have imagined Code of the Missile Ground Slam being a thing with Skull Fort in PvE, and I think that's a really awesome thing. Uh, It wouldn't be possible if they got rid of Skull Fort. Well, they could have done a different exotic helmet with the same perk as Skull Fort. Then what the frick's the difference? You know what I mean? The ornament's there. I look like I'm in freaking Daft Punk. So, I mean, I guess they could have done another version of the Skull Fort, called it something else and made it look different. But at that point, what have we gained by asking Bungie to spend development time on that? A cosmetic difference? The ornament achieves that. So. Nightjet. Uh, Lonostradamus. Who will be the end boss of the coming raid layer? I, I have no idea. I don't think that's something that's easy for me to predict. I can predict moves and shifts and, and things that you're going to, the Bungie's going to do, but there would have been no way for me to predict the boss of Eater of Worlds or Spire of Stars. There was no way to predict that. Uh, so being that it's the Black Armory and it's Golden Age tech, that, you know, and that's what it's kind of centered around. Um, if you look at the last wish raid being kind of dark and kind of hive, I would envision us. And then, and then Leviathan was Cabal. And then we had a Vex, we had a Vex and Eater of Worlds, and then a Cabal again. I could see them maybe finally giving us, we haven't had a Fallen, you know, a, the, the Scourge or the Scourge or whatever the heck their name is, the new enemy types they added. I could see the raid maybe having them. I was kind of surprised uh, they weren't around. Now, they might show up in 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 how they, maybe they when they rework uh, Gambit, but I'm kind of surprised they haven't shown up yet. We know Penumbra is going to be kind of a return to Leviathan, so I think you could have the Scorn. I'm sorry, the Scorn. I think you could have the Scorn, you know, make a return uh, in general in, in in a greater way. Because they, you know, the Barons were really, really fun fights. Uh, I thought the Barons were great fights. I thought the Barons and the art design and the, the cutscene for the Barons and the way they structured the Barons and the Baron fights were freaking amazing. Scourge. Yeah, I mean, they're not even in the game. Like, they're in the campaign, and they show up in strikes, but, like, the Scorn just got the short end of the stick, and I don't think they should have. I think the Scorn are really cool. So, I would, uh, I would ask for the Raid Layer to have the Scorn, you know? Maybe there is a, uh, you know, maybe there's another Baron that we didn't know about, you know? Maybe... 
there's something that is kind of kind of that, that isn't even in the game right now it's on the fringes and we're gonna get to kind of you know find out about him you know so we'll see uh arctic spartan you think that a way to stop the riven cheese would be to damage gate riven like they did with shuro that way you couldn't kill riven until you got all the way to the top right what they could do with riven and this may be far this may be far more complicated than we probably think it is is they could say okay look we we appreciate the fact that people have figured out you can damage riven and a lot of times we do enough damage during the damage phase that we can send Riven from the rooms, right? Everybody gets out their Whisper of the Worm and starts shooting and it's enough damage, okay? Isn't that a cheese, Lono? No, because there's clearly a time for damage. The boss opens its mouth and lets you shoot and then closes its mouth and you kind of can't shoot. And the closing of the mouth is coincided with the need to shoot the eyes. It's clearly a short damage phase okay it's not meant to be as much damage as people are doing it's just too much it's just you know again it would be like glitching oryx and blowing up oryx with only four bombs it's like that's not really how that was intended to work and so they wouldn't have let something like that fly um I have no problem with them saying we think this is an acceptable amount of damage that you can do and after you do that damage Riven goes immune for Frick's sake the fanatic Baron boss fight he does that in his strike it's freaking infuriating you'll do a 1k voices shot on him and half of your damage doesn't count because you do so much damage that it triggers immunity. Why you you can't do that for the for the big giant dragon in the basement of the raid? You can't say that he gets a little bit of protection when you do so much damage but you'll let some baron get it? Come on. Come on. It's a simple solution. You've, you've, you've done, you know, 10% damage of Riven. We got to stop. You're done. That's enough. And then people wouldn't do the cheese. It's that simple. Now, but you could still have people that play the way that we play and we take advantage of it. We're like, well, yeah, we're going to capitalize on this. The dadgum mouth's open. Use your, use your whisper of the worn and pow, 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 pow. Get, you know, get some damage on them. And then, you know, you hate the immunity mechanic. Listen, listen, we, we, we can't ask for both, okay? You can't ask for ridiculous power and creative mechanics, but you don't want spongy bosses. If the only answer, if, 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 listen, if you hate the, if you hate the immunity mechanic, the only answer to our insane amount of power, the only answer is immunity. Because if, no, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. If you don't like immunity, the only answer is to give them a ridiculous amount of health. That's it. That's it. Give them a stupid amount of health because we're just so, so strong. Oh, that's a punt. That's worse than immunity in my mind. It's just a big, giant damage check. And then what do you do? Then what do you do? Well, the only way we can combat this cheese is we got to give the boss more health. Look what you just did. You legislated to the cheese, and now everybody has to do the fight that way. If, if, you, if you legislate to the cheese, if you legislate to the minority, the, amount of, the people that have figured out how to do a stupid amount of damage. Like, think about Gambit, okay? 
if they legislate to the people doing the stupid Syntheseps cheese or the, the Well of Radiance Icolos cheese where you melt the boss, ignore the envoys, ignore the mechanics, just murder the boss, right? And if Bungie says, well, the only way we're going to slow this down, the only way we're slowing this down is if we make the boss have a stupid amount of health, well, then every single person is going to have to basically play that way. They're going to have to play that fight that way. Because now, you know, the Gambit boss is so strong that the only way you're going to kill him is to do the cheese. The boss is so strong, the only way you're going to kill him is to do the cheese. Well, and right, T-Funk's right. Like, maybe I'm saying it wrong. 90% of completions are done by the cheese. Right, because it's really, really freaking easy. Okay? But imagine, imagine legislating to the cheese. You just turned, you just basically told people they have to do the cheese. You see what I'm saying? So I said it backwards. Sure, tons of people on LFG have only gotten their, their last wish completions by doing the cheese. And if you legislate to those people and say, the only way we're going to stop people from doing the cheese, or at least make the cheese difficult, is, well, uh, we're going to have to make Riven really, really strong. And then when you do that, now the only way to beat Riven in a reasonable amount of time is to do the cheese. It's like, well, they made his they made his health so strong. This is why they had to take away the ability to use tractor cannon and, and avoid Ikala's shotgun because that would have been so strong. The only way Bungie would have been able to make end game content challenging against that amount of damage would have been to make the damage thresholds of the bosses super super high so then everybody would have been like well the only way to beat this boss efficiently is to run Ikalos shotgun and tractor cannon as they had to legislate to that damage output so if they legislate to damage output with health then everybody has to run the absolute optimum stupid crazy build if they do immunity and they force you to do mechanics like the way that the Shuro Chi engagement goes then you, it works right well, yeah, we can do a crazy amount of damage and we can kind of strong arm our way through this and we don't have to stunner and we clear each section really, really fast and that efficiency feels good. But it's not a matter of being like, well, no, we don't want to put any immunity in the game. So what we better do is we better uh, just make her health really high and then everybody goes in and has to do the exact same thing. Uh, uh, Bot says, do you think Perfect Paradox should get Trench Barrel to compete with EP Shoddy? No, it should not. EP Shoddy should be the only gun in the game with Trench Barrel. Trench Barrel does not need to be standardized. The general problem in the game is that high rate of fire shotguns do too much damage to bosses. If high rate of fire shotguns were not a pinnacle version of damage for bosses, but were, you know, obviously the best choice for majors and mini bosses, then you wouldn't necessarily feel like you had to run the Ikalos shotgun with trench barrel. Because a lot of the times it's just easier to barrel stuff and not punch. A lot of times when I run Badlander, for example, I kind of like not having to barrel stuff all the time. It's kind of nice. It's like, okay, you know, I can, uh, I can get this guy and I can do it, you know, rather quickly. And now he's out of my way. And I didn't have to, I didn't have to punch him. I just kind of barrel stuffed him as he got close. Well, that's kind of nice. That's kind of nice. So sometimes I do like to use the bad lantern, but 
in in general, the reason that the Ikalash shotgun is so prevalent is because is mainly because of the damage that high rate of fire shotguns can do to bosses. Like, just use a Badlander on a boss or a mini boss. Like, you don't need Trench Barrel to see. They're super, super strong. So you don't want to just take Trench Barrel and add insult to injury and be like, well, you're never really going to want to use any other weapon either. You're either going to use Perfect Paradox or Ikalash Shotgun, which are year one weapons. <laughs> These are year one weapons, keep in mind. Um, you're, you're, you're going to want, I think you're going to want to have a, a more nuanced way of these mid tier weapons functioning in the game than they are right now. And I think you do that by taking high rate of fire shotguns and not allowing them to do so much damage against bosses. Uh, last question from juicy triple. How about turning one K uh, to the spawn rate of the meatball? Uh, and when it curses at his strongest, Thank you, Sink Dark, for 33 months. That's the longest you could be sub to me, dude. Welcome back. I like this idea, too. I like this idea, too, that during Curse Week, your chances of getting the 1K are at its highest. Um, I could get behind that. I, I could get behind that. But he teleports when you take his shield off. That's interesting. This is, a, this is actually a difficult fight. See, this again is an example of why mechanics and immunity can create dynamic fights that, sure, it's frustrating, but like I feel like it's kind of appropriately frustrating. Obviously, I'm soloing endgame content, so there's a unique challenge when you do that that isn't ordinarily there if you have a team in So, yeah, I can get behind this. I just think in general, in general, I would be okay with that becoming like a standardized thing. Like, Nightfall specific stuff, EP shotgun stuff, Bungie just saying, you know, if this stuff is so coveted and so chased after, in order for this to drop within the relevancy of the content, we want the drop rate to go up if, you know, every time you don't get one. Every time you don't get one, the drop rate kind of goes up, and that kind of keeps people interested and intrigued, and then eventually it drops within the relevancy of the content. Again, you take too long to get it, the content becomes irrelevant, and then the co- and then the community is unnecessarily, you know, frustrated by this idea that, well, you know, the only way I'm getting this is if I basically just keep running and running and running and running. And then by the time you get it, it's just too late. And I think that's, I think that is an unnecessary frustration. So I could totally get behind the idea of doing, you know, higher drop rate during curse week. But I like the idea of the drop rate going up when you don't get it. Because I think it blends, I think it blends RNG and intentionality in a really, really good way. um, That you don't quite get if it's just like, he's going to kill me. Oh, oh, you don't quite get if it's just like, yeah, the drop rate's higher this week. Um, I don't know. Because then I feel like what would end up happening is people would just do the raid during that week. They they wouldn't really feel like raiding during the non-weeks. Um, I don't know if I like that idea. You know. It'd be cooler. I think it'd be cooler if it was if it was like the other way. Because, I mean, in, in general, when you're going after, like, a Nightfall weapon, one of the reasons that people would get so frustrated is that they felt like they were taken out of the equation. Like, that was one of the reasons I always kind of complained about the uh, the skeleton key system. The skeleton key system was... 
so many layers of RNG. You might not get a skeleton key. You might um, you might not even get the the gun. And then when you finally get the gun, after finally getting a skeleton key, you might not get um, you might not get the uh, you might not get the role that you want. So there was like layers upon layers of RNG that I think added to the frustration. This this encounter might be glitched. I can't damage the servitor. Um, do I have to kill all the shanks to damage the servitor? When does he take damage? I don't understand. I thought you had to hit him with the explosions from the exploder shanks. Anyway, anyway, if you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always tune in live to these talks, twitch.tv slash say no to rage. As with all of my content, uh, if you guys are watching live, I'm going to keep streaming, but I'm going to cut this for the podcast. Uh, so as with all of my content, I appreciate you watching and listening. Please like, share, and subscribe.